right now, though, I'm going to go to the Guardian's Van Badham. She's been a bit of a television celebrity of late as well, appearing quite regularly now on the Nine Network's Today Show. G'day, Van. Good morning, Marcus. How are you? I'm all right. Where do you find yourself? Are you down south, in between, or in Sydney town? Well, I'm in Victoria. Okay. I was supposed to come back a couple of weeks ago mm. to, be, to be with my mother in Sydney again. Yeah. But the Omicron situation was so dangerous, a friend of mine said, if you don't have coronavirus by the time you get on the plane, you'll certainly have it by the time you get to your mother's doorstep. So it's just a nightmare of a situation for everybody. Mm. And she's unwell, of course, and that's why you need to be very careful. That's the point that I continually make with anti-vaxxers and others who are sceptical of all things corona. If you don't believe in it for yourself, believe in it for those who who are most vulnerable... Uh, immunocompromised people with uh, illness, quite serious illness, if they get it, well, that could be curtains. Well, it has been for so many people. Exactly. I'm really grateful I have the support of my cousin who's looking after my mother while I'm down here. Yeah. But I get so angry at the anti-vaxxers, Marcus, because I'm just like, there are people like my mum who would love to have the kind of protection from the virus that's offered by the vaccine. Mm. Like, she's been triple-vaxxed, but the risk is still really high. And then you have these people out in the community who are like, yep, no, I'm not going to take it. So for all of those people who desperately want that protection, there are people in aged care, there are people in disability services, you know, there are people who are immunocompromised for medical, genuine medical reasons can't take the vaccine. Mm. They would love to, and yet you have these people going, nah, not doing it. Did you know every single patient in the ICU um, in Lismore Base Hospital in the North of New South Wales, they're all unvaccinated. Every single one of them. Yeah, well, that's right up there in that uh, Northern Rivers area, um, Antivax Central, up around Byron Bay, those sorts of areas. That for whatever reason they don't believe in it, and uh, yeah, and they're uh, well, they're suffering because of it. Absolutely. Speaking of anti-vaxxers, Clive Palmer and his mate Peter Kelly. Peter Kelly. What's Craig name? Kelly. Oh, yeah. Uh, Peter Kelly, I'd rather talk about. He's a good football player, ex-football player. Anyway, Craig Kelly, that waste of space. He uh, will be re- relying on a person he once hated, Clive Palmer. They've kissed and made up, considering Clive has deep pockets in a whole range of areas. Yes, it's amazing how that's smoothed the political romance, all um, that money, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Clive is back. He's going to run for a Senate seat in the upcoming election. And he also, obviously, is is bankrolling Kelly here in New South South Wales. Yep, of course he is, because okay. he's a billionaire, and what else is he going to spend his money on apart from a naked pursuit of power? I mean, Clive Palmer's a joke. When he was the member for Fairfax, because he's been in the parliament before, uh, when he well, was the member for Fairfax he, up in Queensland. He slept he, through the last parliament. He slept through it. Yeah, he didn't, pretty much. I mean, he's not doing the work. He wasn't representing the people, which was why, I mean, the electorate gave him short shrift in the end. Mm. Money only goes so far in convincing people to vote for you. You actually have to turn up. But he's riding this wave. He's doing the maths that, you know, if you can convince a small... If you can convince a part of the population to not get a free vaccine, Mm. a free life-saving vaccine in the middle of a public health crisis with the invisible killer virus, you can convince those people to do anything, including vote for you. He's after the anti-vax vote. It might be around about, sorry to interrupt you, Van, it might be around about 4 to 5%, but that may well be enough to get him and Mr Kelly in. Let's hope not. 
Well, I mean, I'd say I'd say that's unlikely, but he's a chance in the Senate. He does have very deep pockets. He spent what sixty million, eighty million dollars on the last federal election. Yeah. But I just want people to be very aware. Clive Palmer may make out that you know he's a maverick and he's above the other parties and the rest of it, but he provided like his loyalty is firmly with the Liberal Party politically. Like he has backed in that party with preference deals. He's backed in that party with his vote when he was in the parliament last time. The the Parba United Party, as they used to be called, yeah. they backed in the worst elements of the Liberal Party agenda, including, of course, getting rid of the carbon tax. I mean, Clive, and I don't think you have to be a genius to, to make this calculation. Mm. He's in it for Clive. He doesn't yeah, care about course. Australian people. Otherwise, well, <laughs> he'd support vaccination. Why then am I hearing uh, senior Liberals talking in the media saying don't vote for Clive because a vote for Clive is a, a vote for Albo? Oh, well, that's because it's convenient, because okay. this is the, the kind of political horsemanship that we play in this country all the time, okay. where people say things that, you know, they don't mean. But the Liberal Party will, would not be where they are now, which is in government mismanaging a coronavirus response if it wasn't for Clive. Clive Palmer's propaganda, and it is propaganda. I mean, the stuff he, he pumps out, the stuff he pumped out at the last election was just total nonsense was an extraordinary attack on the character mm. of Bill Short and on the Labor Party. There were parts of Queensland where a friend of mine described it as like being strafed by, you know, like a, an air force in a war, where out in those seats like Capricornia and Flynn and Ford in regional Queensland, you had just like 24-hour-a-day advertising for Clive Palmer, essentially making out that Bill Shorten was some kind of, you know, traitorous Satan. And that's very handy because it means that the Liberal Party can have plausible deniability about these attacks on, you know, the people they're competing against. Yeah. And people go, um, I'll vote for Clive, but it's a preferential system. And, you know, oh, yeah, I've heard terrible things about the Labor. Oh, I've heard terrible things about Short and still nonsense. But it worked. I mean, it got the Liberals back in. And this is the question for Australians. Do we really think that Liberals deserved to get back in, given the absolute hash they've made of the coronavirus response. Do we really think that if the truth was told about policies and priorities and character that this would be the government that we want? Because I had a pretty interesting day on the internet, like a lot of other people, just watching Australians lose their minds at Scott Morrison. I'm going to get to that. Hang on. Uh, Can I I do my really cool segue? You ready? I love your cool segue. I know we've discussed this. Do it. Do it. Do it. Okay. Because... If Clive doesn't get a Senate seat, he can always get a seat on a forklift van. Maybe he can drive a forklift. I mean, that would be one hell of a forklift, I think we could all agree. I mean, what about yesterday, for goodness sake? Was that a brain, uh, I don't know, a brain snap from the Prime Minister? No, it's entirely consistent. This is the worst part. I think this is what people are working out about Scott Morrison. I mean... Tony Abbott would come out with this, you know, this sort of free-form poetry school of policy where he'd just sort of make it up as he went along. Oh, should I eat an onion? Hell yes. You know, kind of thing. Whereas Morrison genuinely, he believes this stuff. He doesn't believe it that we should have strict occupational health and safety in this country, just like he doesn't believe we should have job security, and just like he doesn't believe we should have wage growth. And is that it's why he wants really- 16-year-olds on forklifts? 
16-year-olds on forklifts. I want everybody listening to this to take mm. their mind back to when they were 16 and the kind of judgment they had then. I mean, I was, I was thinking about all the insane things I did as a 16-year-old and adding a forklift, Marcus, and then every single scenario, somebody died, right? The kind yeah. of things that 16-year-olds do uh, are generally not safe anyway. And the idea that you would put someone of that age behind a forklift in an industrial area is is literally the most insane thing I've ever heard. And I wasn't alone in thinking this. It was amazing watching the internet yesterday. Right. I mean, you know, I cop a lot of garbage on the internet, you know, like, and it's all, you know, feminists coming to, you know, steal our biscuits under the bed, you know, kind of nonsense that goes on. And I have never felt in such a unanimous corner as yesterday when I was like, all these people just going, what on earth is Morrison doing? While they were attacking you on uh, on the page yesterday, I think somebody called you a, a, a poor man's Rita Panahi. I, I nearly lost my lunch. I'm yeah, off. it doesn't really work that way, though. No. I suggest that person maybe spend some time with Rita Panahay. And, uh, um, yeah. yeah. All yes, right. I don't, just... I, don't re- I don't really think we're comparable, but good on her. She has mm. a go. All right. Uh, one last thing. I want to ask. I'll put this scenario to you. $2 million being ponied up by uh, an agent with a, a grin, um, as cheeky as a Cheshire cat, because he can see that, you know, he'll get his 12%, two million bucks, to interview the parents of an abducted four-year-old. So her mum, her stepdad, and also included in the deal is an actual interview of the abducted four-year-old herself. I speak of Cleo Smith. Now, the parents of Cleo, who was at the centre of the WA abduction last year, it ended up being a good news story at the end when she was found safe and sound in Carnarvon, but it's been uh, the subject of a bidding deal between Channel 7 and Channel 9. Nine have ponied up. They're going to run a whole swag of stories on their platforms, including 60 Minutes, and part of the deal is to speak to little Chloe, a four-year-old herself. Is this not tantamount to almost child abuse? Look, I think that that's a situation that would have to be approached with maximum care and sensitivity. I think it's complicated because it was such a big story and because what happened to her, the effect of it may not be known now, but it may be significant in the future. And I do understand why her parents, who after all they've been through, would be looking at the future going, we're going to need some kind of income stream because things could get complicated. I I understand all of that, but why include her? There's nothing wrong with talking to the parents and first responders. You can still do a really good story about, you know, um, how police did a wonderful detective job in finding her and all that, but surely you can't put a four-year-old down in front of a camera to make money. I think absolutely that that would be a situation where the maximum participation of child psychologists should be involved. Yeah, okay. But if that's going to be a discussion, if that's facilitated in a way that is that you know the, the psychological authorities would say yep that's okay all right maybe but mm. yeah no that's I don't know. I've got to say, when I when I want comment and analysis about a new story, I don't think I'd necessarily go to a four-year-old, even if yeah. the four-year-old was at the centre of it. Uh, we don't know what that's going to look like, but I would certainly hope with that amount of money behind that discussion that very experienced authoritative professionals would be consulted and their advice followed to the letter. All right. 
You make sense, um, but you know. Being... I try. I give it a red. No, no, absolutely. No, no. I'm not putting. I'm not putting children on forklifts. Like that's not. <laughs> All right. Van, wonderful stuff. The Week on Wednesday podcast is out. Make sure you check it out on uh, all your favourite platforms. Um, You're up there in the top five again or something? We are, we are. Good stuff. Uh, There's been uh, quite the appetite to to hear Benjamin and myself Mm -hmm. go absolutely bonkers about the terrible mismanagement of coronavirus by Scott Morrison and the Liberal government. When can I be the third wheel? Can Can I be a third wheel at some point one day? For one oh, podcast? If we, can, if we can work out how to do that with the technology. I should just point out, we do this in our shed. Yeah. Like, yeah. and uh, we didn't we didn't get into the podcasting business with any kind of great background in sound <laughs> engineering. Uh, <laughs> so the idea of taking a phone call is slightly beyond us at the moment, but we'll see what we can do. All right. Well, we can social <laughs> distance in the shed. I wouldn't mind uh, taking a trip down south. Oh, it is it's a lovely a, shed. I'll have a PCA with me before I go, okay? PCR. Yeah, well, look, if you, can, if you can bring some rats down, that'd be amazing. <laughs> because where we live, every single day we walk past the chemist, big sign, oh, no rats available. No. Well, that's the same everywhere, isn't it? No rats. No rats here, no rats there. And the ones that are available, if you're lucky, you'll get, I don't know, one for 150 bucks. I right. just want to remind everybody that the, the same government that wanted to put children on forklifts is the government that said it would be dangerous to make rats available for free. And I'm just like, I think your conception of safety is very different to mine. Yeah. If you think a universal public health measure is dangerous, but putting, like, the kind of kid who might try and turn, like, banana peel into, like, kitchen hash oil at a mm. party on a forklift is not dangerous in any way. It's just like, what is going on? Thank you, Van. We'll talk later. You, Appreciate Bye-bye. it. Bye-bye. There she is, the Guardians. Van Batterman.